Hello friends, I'm Ashish Darbari, founder and CEO of Axomize, and to our new listeners, welcome to our old ones, welcome back. And today in-house, we have somebody quite distinguished. We have the CEO of Mobiville Incorporated, Ravi Thumarakudi. Hi Ravi, did I get your name right? Ashish, you are perfect. <laughs> you spell my last name correctly, so very few people can actually do it. Well, it's always a challenge when we are living in a society we are coming from so many different parts of the world. But I always try, um, always try. But hey, Ravi, thank you very much for coming in. And I, I apologize for not being able to schedule a recording with you earlier. Um, before we talk about the fascinating things that Mobiville is doing now, I would like to start off learning a little bit about you and your past. So tell me a bit about your personal journey. How did you end up at Mobiville and where did you start from? Yeah, first of all, Ashish, great. Uh, uh, thanks for inviting me for the, your uh, podcast. Uh, great to be uh, with you. Uh, I consider it a great opportunity. Uh, let me talk about uh, my background a little bit. Uh, I grew up in a village in uh, Kerala. Oh, wow. Uh, this is a, uh, in India, the southern part of India. I don't know if you have been there or not. Oh, not yet. Yeah, God's own country. Yes, <laughs> uh, we call it, it's one of the most beautiful part of the Indeed. world. And we call it the God, God's own country. So you must uh, visit there. Um, so I, I grew up there. But the when when we grew up there, uh, there was no electricity in the, in the village. I see. So can you imagine... Uh, uh, situation, the difference between the today I'm in Silicon Valley versus <laughs> I grew up in uh, the village. Sure. Now, when you don't have electricity, you have very dark nights. And when you have dark nights, you will see all the stars and, and planets. And probably the first thing that attracted me was looking at uh, the sky and, and, and asking questions. I, I still remember as a child asking questions to my parents about, uh, you know, all the you know, stars and moon and all, all the things and why they are there and things like that. And that's probably my first introduction to science and and the, the whole thing about wanting to learn something. How beautiful. How beautiful. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, we did not have electricity when I was in maybe in, uh, in a junior school that uh, electricity came. And there was a big celebration in the sense that <laughs> we could see on a daily basis you know, how they uh, install the electric, you know, posts and things like that. And and, uh, and when the electricity came, the electric light, uh, you know, you have the pumps, you have fan. And maybe that had the biggest attraction for me. So I really enjoyed the whole event. Transformation, um, yeah. And I started repairing things like, for example, uh, you know, our radio. You know, I, I could never see the radio closed. <laughs> anytime there's always often because yeah. you know the sound is not perfect and you might bang on the side a little bit here and there to make it work and things like that but uh, so I became very much curious about anything electric, electric um, and uh, wanted to learn electrical engineering that was uh, it was set in me at the time sure so you did electrical engineering in Kerala itself. Did you go to one of these um, engineering? Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, I did uh, electrical engineering in the Kerala University. It's a right. place called Kodamangalam. Uh, it's not that far from where I grew up. Right, right. And then what happened after your electrical engineering? What was your journey from 
that part of India to US. Tell us a little yeah, bit so, about that. So after my graduation, I, I went to IIT Madras. I did my postgraduate. Right. And uh, there I kind of switched from electrical to electronics. So we were studying about uh, electronic circuits and things like that. And uh, as I mentioned to you, my first love was a space. And uh, I took up a job as a space scientist uh, at uh, Indian Space Research Organization. Yeah, ISRO. Yeah, so ISRO. So I, I went to Bangalore and I was there for a year or so uh, uh, and getting involved in the INSAT uh, project. The INSAT was going on uh -huh. and international satellite uh, that is INSAT. So I was there for some time and uh, uh, then I thought that you know I just want to get more into electronics. So I found this group, uh, TCS, uh, they had a VLSI. Uh, one of my friends told me that uh, TCS has a VLSI department. So I, I moved there, I moved to Mumbai and uh, joined TCS and through G TCS, I came out to US. Okay. But you also were a co-founder of GDA Technologies, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, that's correct. That, that happened. So after I moved to US, um, so I worked at HP for a year, uh, part of uh, TCS, and then I joined Cadence in um, 1990. I was at Cadence. I see. Okay. Yeah. So at the time, Cadence and Gateway, uh, the company that was started by Prabhu Goyal and they were the creator of uh, Verilog. Yep. Uh, they just merged and I joined the group that uh, the gateway group in Cadence at the time. Right. And uh, Prabhu was our, you know, general manager uh, at the time. So uh, my priority at Cadence was to promote Verilog to semiconductor companies. Right. So that's where my journey into, um, you know, EDA and conductor and, and dealing with the market. Right. Very interesting. Quite a journey. Very interesting. So tell us about Mobiville. So when was Mobiville founded? How old is Mobiville? Okay. Yeah. So after I, I will also mention a little bit about GDA. So sure. after I left, uh, so I worked at Cadence uh, till about nine, uh, 97, for 90 to 97, so seven years. Um, and at the time, uh, LSI Logic was probably the first one who started talking about uh, IP and they had something called the coreware technology. So they were building few components that can reuse. And if you remember before that, uh, it was pure libraries, you know, NAND gates and, you know, adders and, you know, those kind of levels. But then now we are talking about maybe bigger blocks. And uh, at Cadence, I felt that uh, I could get out and start building bigger blocks uh, like at that time, PCI, uh, not PCI Express, just PCI could be one of the blocks. So, um, 97, I left and started uh, GDA uh, to build some of these kind of building blocks. Um, and uh, uh, I continued there uh, for about 10 years. Uh, you know, we had a quite successful venture at uh, GDA, and uh, GDA was acquired uh, by Larson and Kubro in Attack. Right. LNT for that. Right. And, uh, so, uh, so I was at LNT for a while and then started uh, Mobivale in 2012. 2012. Okay. So basically, um, you were in EDA building tools and then you thought, um, why don't we build designs and venture into IP? So that was quite, I mean, that time IP companies were not that much popular. I mean, I'm thinking of late 90s. Am I right? 
that, that's correct. Yeah. Um, but I see the one thing that I saw at Cadence was how people transition or companies transition from own tool to uh, third-party tools. So one of my first job at Cadence was promoting uh, Verilog Simulator, third-party you know Cadence Simulator to let's say Mitsubishi, Toshiba, NEC, and uh, LSI Logic. Each one of them had their own simulators, and each one of those companies had CAD group. There are thousands of uh, people developing every kind of software, you know, static timing analysis, place and route tools, and simulation tools, and so on. And what I saw was that the third-party tools become stronger and stronger because they could solve more problems and essentially come down to one thing, sharing R&D. You create once, use many times. Mm -hmm. So think about even Intel or IBM or uh, Toshiba those days. You know they have a huge CAD group. They develop EDA tools just for themselves. Yeah. It is a matter of time that the R and D cost is going to catch up. Correct. Right. Correct. And compared to Cadence, where they could create the tool and they could license to you know hundreds of companies, and it's a matter of time that R and D cost is going to catch up, and uh, you know Cadence became much stronger. And the internal CAD group weakened. And for me, the IP is exactly the same way I look at it. You create once, create the IP, then share it with you know many times. Um, and one of the fundamental things also happened was that along with uh, Verilog, there are many standards emerged. Correct. You know, standards like uh, PCI Express or RapidIO, Ethernet, all became standards. So before that uh, a large company has, a, let's say, have a chip with an interface, it's a proprietary. So no one from outside the company will know how to create those blocks. Correct. But once the standardization happened, like a PCIe, AGP, right. and all kinds of different standard DDR, yeah. now anyone who can read the spec, create a very good design, create, uh, you know, spend that effort, make the Block, and now we can license to multiple companies. And, and I truly believe the same EDA paradigm where native or uh, internal tools gave away to the third party mm -hmm. tools. Right. And we, I saw that in 10 years, uh, how, how quickly that happened. And uh, I was convinced that if we create good designs, the internal design teams will start using the third party IP and compared to the internal design. So this is a yeah, this is actually quite a valid observation, and and it's um, really great to know that you started to think about it way back, even when um, you know processor IP had become a mainstream uh, thing, which is you know, now of course we take for granted. So I'm interested in knowing what are the key technology challenges that Mobiwheel is overcoming, and what kind of silicon IP and platforms. And I, I noticed you distinguish between solutions and platforms. So can you explain to us what exactly and how exactly is your, um, let's say the wider portfolio of IP structured? Yes, um, actually I looked at this way. Um, I, the, the first question is why MobiWay, right? Yeah. So this is a fundamental question that we need to ask. So the first thing I mentioned to do was sharing R&D in the sense that you create once and use it many times. This is a good model in general. 
So that I believe that that is a, one of the reasons why we fail. The second reason is, you know, the customers are struggling to create a chip. To have a successful silicon is is one of the hardest thing to do mm-hmm. on the planet. I must say, yeah. you know, because it's so complex. So one thing I believe is that I would like to create the design that are proven, that is already tested, and and in many different ways. So that when you put a piece of design into a chip, that makes the the chip chance of success much better. Mm-hmm. So one thing is to create blocks, standard based blocks, and test it, verify it, validate it as much as you can, so that a customer take the design and put into the design. This becomes a solid piece of design. And if you look at one one other thing we focus is chip to chip. Connectivity. Mm-hmm. So these are the uh, you know input output uh, output kind of uh, function uh, like PCI Express, Rapid IO, DDR. Yeah. And if these blocks don't work, the chip is dead on arrival because this is how you can communicate with the chip. Mm-hmm. So it is extremely important to have a very solid design. A high speed as well, isn't it? High speed, extremely high speed, and if you look at the last, uh, you know, we have been involved in this technology for last twenty um, some years. It has uh, it has gone ten times uh, faster. Right? It used to be it probably went twenty times faster from the first generation, maybe one gig uh, to now. You know, PCI is thirty two gig. So uh, that kind of a growth. The second thing I believe uh, when I talk about platform is that just having individual IP blocks. Is kind of difficult for customers to take it and put it together. Again, mm-hmm. now they have to take IP from vendor mm-hmm. one, vendor two, and now they have to put together. There are all the challenges of integration, verification, and all that. And we uh, truly believe create as much as we can as a solution. So what we did was we looked at uh, flash storage as a market mm-hmm. in MobiWay. And said, "What all IPs this market needs?" And created each one of those components. And we acquired a couple of components. Uh, we acquired a company called Proton Digital uh, for uh, error correction, for example. Some of the technology that we have not been dealing with, we acquired that. Mm-hmm. So we assembled all the IPs and put it together like a chip in an in an FPGA. Okay. We created the FPGA. Created the board, created the software, so that our design is a, a flash storage chip, SSD chip. Okay. So we went from not only building the building blocks, but assembling a full chip in an FPGA, so that we understood the market. We can have a intelligent conversation with our customer, and the customer can see that it is already verified and proven. Now it is kind of safe to use. It is a You know, it's free to use, and mm-hmm. you know the manufacturing cost of chips these days. Right? Yeah, yeah. So anything that gives you confidence, yeah, it's it's something worth gold. So you know, uh, I I believe it's it's a huge value for a customer. Sure, sure. So what does MobiWheel mean, by the way? Why is this? Does this have a special meaning? Um, actually, it doesn't have any special meaning. It is kind of think about uh, what we all thought uh, when we started two thousand twelve, and we believed in the mobile. Is going to be the world around right. us. So okay. we we are we are thinking of um, 
you know, it's a mobile-oriented world. Right, so yeah. which it is. The which code, it is, is yeah. code is cut, yeah. and, you know, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So in terms of your platforms and solutions, would you say you are equally spread between networking, storage, and enterprise? How Our first, uh, the application-oriented solution was into storage. So this is probably a bigger piece, the most... Um, the biggest piece of our business is the storage business. But we have components like uh, rapid IO, which is used in, uh, uh, you know, high speed computing, you know, high performance computing, the data center, wireless networking and things like that. But we never created a platform there, which was more of a component that is available for the market for us. So the first platform we created was storage. Now we are looking at the next one is for the data center uh, memory and storage with the new standard, as you know, CXL. Mm -hmm. So that is one space that we are investing quite heavily in R&D. And uh, we are going to create a CXL-based memory, CXL-based storage, complete platform right. uh, for this domain. And the third one we looked at is IoT. And this is why uh, we were interested in the RISC-V story right well we believe that this endpoints requires small uh, low power computing uh, engines right and uh, risk 5 as a open source is an ideal uh, situation this has to be low cost low power mm -hmm. you know low for a small footprint so we believe that iot is the right space so we started investing into the iot space so those are the three things we started creating solutions so who are your typical customers? Are you able to talk about it or is it all confidential? Um, I, I see most of our customer engagements are confidential, but I must say that there is no one, uh, most of the semiconductor companies out there, they're all our customers. Okay. Um, almost every major semiconductor company out there license uh, technologies from us. Um, and I look at this way that if I, we are augmenting the customer's internal design. Changes. Sure. So uh, you can also see that typically the companies are already well established. They already have a set of IPs. They already have some platforms. So we are not trying to sell the platform to everyone. Right? Sure. So they already have it. So if somebody is already very good in creating a you know storage chip, that they probably need a PCI Express or an NVM Express or even a piece from us, IP from us. We are okay with that. But when we go to Asia, uh, what you can see is that recently there are quite a bit of investment in semiconductor. And they don't have the, some of those fundamental uh, platforms and basic technologies out there. So they are the ones who typically come to us for the whole platform. So our engagement in the US uh, is a little bit different from engagement in Asia. We tend to give more integrated, more complete solutions in Asia compared to the ones uh, in, in the U.S. Because of, because U.S. has more design houses and they potentially need more IP level integration as opposed to a full platform. Yeah, that's correct. That's, that's right. Yes. That's and, right. and some of the places we are, we are probably, the, ours is the first IP they get. Mm -hmm. And this is the basic building block of their new chip. Right. right. So they tend to take as much as uh, they can from us and also, since we are already proven and it's all verified and validated and certified, so it's much easier to start with this platform than they create everything internally. 
I am so glad you said the word verified and certified because I was just going to come to that. So, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so yeah, I've sure. been uh, following uh, <clears throat> the Wilson Research Report recently and uh, picked up that uh, Harry Foster reported that 68% uh, of the IC projects are actually uh, failing in the field first time around and the same number is running late. And in terms of FPGA, uh, only 17% of those <clears throat> designs are able to uh, be built first time correct. Now, given your business is entirely in not just small IPs, in fact, very big IPs and platforms, mm -hmm. yeah. how are you making sure that are you in the 68% or are you in the 32%? Which which yeah, part I mean, of the statistics would you fall in and how are you able to be successful and guarantee to your customers that your designs are going to meet the requirements of safety critical security standards that are emerging, never mind that they are functionally bug free, um, mm -hmm. which, which is a bare minimum requirement anyway. So what is the secret sauce? At Mobiville. Yeah, Ashish, if you notice, uh, I have um, a lot of gray hairs, uh, you know, been around. And also, I have <clears throat> a lot of scars in my back uh, about working on projects and um, not uh, you know, succeeding. So, uh, it, it's uh, no one can claim that everything is perfect. Uh, right? Sure. But the, it, it is a process, uh, Ashish, about uh, just like anything else is the chip development is another process. There are some basic hygiene factors that you have to follow and there is there are no shortcuts. Mm -hmm. And and uh, like someone said, the trust but verify, right? Yep. It's, it's very, right. very important. So, so what happens is <clears throat> from the architecture to the design, to the integration, to the implementation, there are, there are so much scope for making things you know, worse and, and you are not doing it properly, right? It, it's extremely important. The each phase is very, very important. And I've noticed, uh, I work with, uh, like I said, all the who's who in electronics in terms of semiconductor. I work with customers. I know their design methodology. I know companies who don't write any spec and try to do a check, uh, right? And there are, I know companies who spend more time writing a spec than writing RTL code. <laughs> So it's a completely different uh, approach. Uh, and and uh, what you have to do as a company is to create a successful model. But the fundamental thing is just like building anything, the each of the component that goes into that building and each of those components that goes into the chip has to be fully proven and verified so that each building block you are you can trust. Yeah. So, uh, in fact, uh, one of my customers. Yeah, carry on, please. Yeah. Yeah. So, as I was saying that, uh, you know, just like any construction, this, this is very important. In fact, one of my Japanese customers taught me this. I used to work a lot with Japanese uh, companies, and one of the uh, persons, uh, manager, told me that we, we look at the design like a building. You know, and we put a brick and look at from three, four different angles before putting the next next brick. Mm -hmm. uh, this is not like writing fiction. 
and you know and making changes after changes you know so many so many times so i think that that correct by construction is a good way of creating good chips so what you really have that kind of process yeah right, to help. so you're saying correct by construction you're saying proven i'm almost beginning to believe that you are doing a lot of formal verification at mobiville and it looks like your secret sauce has got something to do with the formal methods but you know feel feel free to not disclose your secret sauce but uh, i have a feeling that mobiville's um, secret to success in this highly competitive ip market is this reliance on formal but correct me if i'm wrong um actually uh, i think it's just not formal it is the it is the uh, portfolio verification that one has to do yeah. right as a, uh, like i said the basic hygiene about mm-hmm. uh, development uh, verification is extremely important but like i said uh, pure uvm based verification is there's no way to catch all the bugs and, and pure so, formal isn't either going to cut it too so you need to combine it, everything yeah absolutely yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. so in terms of in terms of functional coverage uh, statement coverage and uh, code coverage so you have a whole bunch of methodologies and now assertions right so you need to have assertions into the designs but another important thing is validation yep so you go through uh, you know logic verification formal verification then comes the validation i am actually a big believer of emulation and validation right so what happens is for those number of cycles to go through to make sure how your design performs in the end you have to see it in a fpga or an emulation box to make sure the the software and hardware is working together Correct. and the circuit is performing to the number of cycles that you need so our methodology is you know combining many things all this included first of all start with a good methodology in terms and design methodology verification assertions formal and validation and one more thing we do uh, extra is Uh, certification each one is uh, most of the the technology we work on is a standard mm-hmm. so we go to pci sig regularly take our design and to interoperate with other pci design out there we did our nvm express uh, as much we develop university of new hampshire their interoperability lab we take there and we get it certified Uh, and uh, i just saw the email yesterday from cxl consortium that they are planning to have that so it's very important for not only the design is good but we also need to interoperate so with, what does uh, this uh, what does this certification process involve what are you get what is it that you are getting certified that you are conformant to the standard of yeah essentially okay, so see. standard is a spec right let's yeah. say there are the thousands of pages of yeah, spec yeah, yeah, and yeah. people could interpret uh, in in a many different ways and uh, there is a you know vip verification ip is available to verify but even then it's part of a, it's more of an interpretation now once we design we have to uh, check with other designs so when we go to a pcie there essentially you are walking one room to another room and testing with their pci design I see. and to see if uh, this works and and you know usb uh, for example is an excellent uh, example and how uh, ec became uh, to use that technology 
and the logo certification. These are this very important in the industry. And mm -hmm. especially these are standard based uh, and now it's all over the world. And it's very, very important to have one common place where uh, the design can be certified and there's a logo there. Very interesting. So let's do a little deep dive into the cloud and data center market. Um, and let's talk about Mobiwheel SIP uh, solutions. What are they? Can you tell us a bit more on that? Yeah. So last uh, many years, Ashish, uh, we have been focusing on the data center market. And as you know, that is one of the fastest growing uh, space. And uh, almost all the major cloud and enterprise uh, providers, uh, they are building custom silicon uh, these days. Um, and if you also look at who is driving the standards today, it is the data center market. Uh, how PCI is going from Gen 3 to Gen 4, Gen 5, Gen 6, uh, because I think the data centers requires huge amounts of data to be passed to the shortest amount of time. Correct. Uh, the data crunching has become very important. Mm -hmm. And the second thing that is happening in the market is acceleration. Yes. You may have a special function. So you have the host processor, like you have the Intels of the world sitting at the main processor. But then attached to those devices, you have accelerators. Hardware You may have yeah. a special function. Mm -hmm. You may have like a compression engine. You may have some you know, special searching function, sorting function. And then the other, and some of the programmable devices are being used for this acceleration. Now attaching to the data center chip is also the uh, AI engine, like you have artificial intelligence. You mm -hmm. can have lots of algorithms uh, to manipulate the data, search the data, it's very important. So what is happening from our side is PCI Express is one of the fundamental technologies that is in that space. The backbone, yeah. So now we are Gen 5, uh, and now uh, Gen 5 is going to Gen 6. So it has been going, I don't know, every two years, there's a new generations coming and doubling the speed. So the, it, it, keeping up with the standard itself has become tough, but we have to develop these technologies. We have to go through the process, verify, validation, and so on. Uh, and the second most exciting thing that is happening is um, the CXL, which is the Compute Express Link, which is the coherent connection of the host processor with uh, other engines sitting, other devices sitting in the data center. So this is could be an AI chip um, and expanding the memory from the host to, uh, you know, I mean, typically you have a DIMM module, right, DDR module. So now yeah. you can extend your memory to PCIe. It's very exciting. And also if you look at not only volatile memory, now you are non-volatile memory, like the Intel Optane kind of devices. Mm -hmm. So it is becoming important. Right. Storage is another important thing. So NVM Express is kind of, you know, revolutionize the whole storage uh, based on PCIe. So we are seeing tremendous demand for the data center related, could be networking, uh, could be storage, could be acceleration. You know, they are becoming PCIe based and CXL based. So, you know, tremendous potential in that space. What I am actually um, thinking about just listening to you is that you're building these designs for domains which are going through so much transformation in terms of requirements changing, interfaces yes, changing, yes. 
and the time to market is not growing either that's shrinking as well so you've got yeah. to be working very hard and not make only making sure that the designs work correctly they have to conform to the standard version generation 3 or generation 4 like you said for PCI express and and they've all got to be certified before they can be used by your customers with the confidence and some of this is very hard like cxl and neural network accelerators this surely is a non trivial <laughs> development effort what would be your time to market um are you having a ballpark estimate in your mind right now do you think it takes 6 months or you're talking about a couple of years for your cxl type designs before they from from the first day in r&d to the point that they're actually taped out fully tested yeah my first um, you know we have been doing this for now 20 years so we have we have a process that uh, you know we we try to leverage what we have again reuse as much as we can share the r&d is very important for us so for yeah. example cxl is built on top of uh, 20 years of our pcie legacy experience sure. right i see so we we could create this kind of designs in very very short amount of time it's it's more like 6 months than oh, wow. you know 2 years i uh, see but that is the first design right but then the the challenge comes in terms of the verification validation yeah, yeah, verification sure. and then integrating with the customer chip and now that chip has to go to production so so now we are talking about 2 years right to work sure. for this whole our design to a customer production of uh, their soc is uh, yeah there there are there is some time involved in that one but um, one point that you mentioned is the technologies are moving so fast the standards are like i said the speed is doubling you know standards are created you know every every 18 months 24 months it's very hard to keep up with uh, each and every development correct correct yeah it's, it's and one more correct. important thing if you notice that uh, many of this validation we could do with programmable devices right but if you look at the standards have arrived the corresponding devices have not been arrived because <laughs> even for them to keep up with that cadence Yes. Oh, migrating from one technology to another and spending uh, literally hundreds of millions of dollars to make the next chip is truly challenging. And if you bring in the software into the scope and see how fast the software can get developed and cope and the firmware and all of the whole driver stack, right? Everything yeah. has to walk at the same uh, pace otherwise you're out of sync. I just didn't realize that we already crossed the half an hour threshold and I know you're quite quite busy. I I sure. don't want to take too much time but one thing Ravi we do in our podcast is to ask our listeners uh based on their experience and personal journey uh some tips about um building careers uh for young professionals who are listening to us um mm-hmm. what would be your recommendation especially to the newbies in the field what are the five things that they could do if they were starting a career in VLSI um or you know VLSI is a overloaded term you know I, i would say <laughs> they're starting a career in the digital world you know hardware software yeah. whatever yeah it, um i think ashish has mentioned i followed my passion in the sense that i was attracted to electrical engineering like i guess at very early days in my life and i um whenever there was a fork 
about choosing, right? I always chose what I, uh, uh, my passion. And it's very important for me that I continue uh, learning. And every day I'm excited about learning new things. Every day I'm excited about all the things that are happening in the world around these technologies. So that's the first thing. So you don't feel like you're working, right? It's, it's like you're pursuing a passion. Correct. So that's very important. And, and that's probably, I feel that's the number one uh, item uh, about choosing a path that you are passionate about, you like, and you also mingle with people who are equally passionate about it, right? <laughs> uh, even both the companies, uh, I was co-founder of GDA and Mobile, I'm also along with a bunch of other people who are equally interested in electronics, equally interested in BLSI. So that's very important. So you align yourself in a field that uh, you're passionate about and uh, you're um, you also along with a few more people. The second uh, part is choose your path. You don't need to follow any other particular path, right? You could choose. And I, one thing I chose was I was very happy you know, I could have continued in ISRO, which is uh, it's a government organization. It's uh, employment for life type of thing. But I felt that I need more excitement. So I chose uh, to come out and, and go to the world and see what else is out there. So that's the second thing I did. And you don't need to kind of, at very early in the career, you don't need to kind of get stuck somewhere. The, the, the world is open, so you can go out and make things happen. And the, and the third one is, uh, one thing I learned at Caden is to, uh, in fact, our CEO at the time, Joe Costello, used to say, you know, you, you think about your customer first. It's a customer-centric approach. So that's the biggest learning that I had from a business standpoint is look at customer, what they want, have conversation with them, and be excited about their own uh, projects, right? So what is our customer want? They want to make successful silicon. They want to make it faster, right? Accelerate their development. And uh, I believe that by providing this kind of value to them and aligning with them, it, it's very important. So that's another thing that I will say that always think about your you know, end user and customer, focus on their success and you will be successful. That's how I look at it. And don't think about your success first and see you know, how it pans out. But I always look at, can I make my customer successful? And through that, can I have a success? And I can tell you, you know, last so many years, I've enjoyed you know, every minute of it. And uh, both companies have been quite successful. And this is part of the reason is uh, looking at that. So for young, young people, uh, the very important thing I also learned, uh, the fourth thing I can mention is, Try to provide solutions and not point, uh, Fingers. you know, solutions. Yeah. Try to put together whole solution for customers yeah. because it's so big, complex that giving piecemeal anything is 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 good. It's a good starting, but it's uh, not enough. So today in this market space, having IP, you know, hardware firmware, software, how it integrates with the verification IPs, integrated with formals, EDA tools. Try to solve as many things for the customer first, yourself. And once you have cooked, uh, put all the things together, and even it could be association with other companies, you know, partnerships. 
you do this work uh, first and then make it available to customer. I, I think this is the, the best approach. I think. No, very, very interesting. So passion for learning, keeping good company and exchanging ideas with like-minded people, building whole solutions and customer focused. Yeah. These yeah. are all necessary things and I'm pretty sure that um, our listeners would value these uh, advices, especially a lot of young people who are in their early 20s embarking on yes. a career. Hey, Ravi, thank you very much for your time and, and valuable insights into your history, uh, both personal and professional. And I very much enjoyed learning about all of the different products and solutions you are making and how Mobiwheel is carving out a new path for IP integration across the customer base. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Ashish. It's great to be with you, and uh, I consider it a great opportunity to talk to you. No, it thank was lovely. Much. Lovely catching with you. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. So, friends, I hope you liked today's podcast. Do let us know by emailing us at info@axiomize.com, and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Looking forward to getting back to you in a few weeks. Thank you very much.